all profit is value extraction. And that means that all profit is theft from you. Corporate America is on welfare, and they you've got to get them off welfare. Hey, welcome to Cars and Comrades, our socialist car podcast. Uh, my name is Bryant. Today we've got Brandon, Connor, and Zach here. How are you all feeling? Doing well. I'm, I'm riding high this week. Sweet. <laughs> uh, so today we're doing a little bit of a discussion episode. The question is, what would you do if you were the Secretary of Transportation? Um, and we'll go into a little more detail on that in a little bit. But first, we're going to do project car updates. And I think it is uh, Zach's turn, also because he has uh, been doing a lot. So I kind of want to hear some of the details after. Uh, you know, I, I heard some of the details before because I was there for some of it. But uh, I, I want to hear about what happened after also. So go ahead, Zach. Yeah, yeah, definitely been doing a lot. You definitely... We're there for a good chunk of it. Gave me quite a big help there. Uh, so I've been STI swapping my WRX for the past week or so. Uh, started last weekend. It's now Sunday, so I started last Friday. And um, still not done. <laughs> I thought it was going to take a weekend. It's now been over a week. And I have one thing left and that's just to bleed the clutch and for some reason it just will not bleed properly i have tried every single way possible to get this clutch to bleed and it just won't happen so i think i might have to take it to a shop and just be like hey bleed this clutch for me and then it should be ready to go but yeah i have swapped out basically every single wrx specific component out of my wrx and put the sti equivalent into it um so that's six-speed transmission, the axles, drive shaft, rear differential, hubs, suspension, brakes, uh, wheels and tires, control arms, all kinds of different doodads. Oh, the steering rack, uh, power steering pump. Yeah, lots of different stuff. Everything short of the engine, which um, my engine currently makes a little more than a stock STI motor anyway. So really no sense in changing that. I think yours probably makes more actually, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Like what? mine makes a little over 300 at the like... wheels and a stock STI made yeah, it makes 310 at the crank. So yada, yada, knack yeah. and math. It, it makes maybe 20% more than an STI motor would. Cool. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's not nothing. Yeah. So are you, are you going to put the STI badges on it? Uh, no, I think actually, and I was going to uh, ask y'all and, you know, listeners chime in, let us know what you think. I'm going to either fully debadge it. So it has none of the, you know, right now it says Subaru, symmetrical all-wheel drive, Impreza, WRX across the back. It has all of that. So I'm either going to go completely clean slate or just leave Impreza because I think it's funny. <laughs> To not like 
leave the WRX part, but just leave Impreza, and then it's an STI swap WRX that makes more power than an STI, and it just says Impreza mm-hmm. on it. I think that's hilarious. So I don't know if y'all think that's goofy. Let me know. I think that's funny. I also think leaving it just badges just regular WRX would throw some people for a loop. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I like I like the Impreza badge idea. I yeah, it's I like down badging instead of up badging, which I think is <laughs> is pretty funny. What do you think though? I think you should uh badge it as a Camaro SS. <laughs> yeah. Just something completely wrong. Maybe I'll swap. I think at that point, I do. I at that point, I feel like it should just be badged as a Nissan Altima. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, I, I already like drive really... with Altima Energy, so you know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I uh, I just say that the Camaro SS thing because everyone that had a base model Camaro and put a V8 in it put the SS badges on it. Yeah, that's true. Know? That's true. No, I could um, I could swap. That's kind of what you're doing, you know, equivalent. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's just the the Subaru version of that. I was going to say I could exactly. swap the the Subaru Blue Oval for the Ford Blue Oval and then put a <laughs> Mustang GT badge on it. <laughs> but that would be pretty funny. But no, I, I'm seriously leaning toward just leaving Impreza. I, I don't know why. I just I got it in my head. I think I saw somebody who had just debadged everything down to, say, WRX and nothing else. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. I could do that. And then I was like, huh, it would be funny if they did it the opposite way and just left Impreza. And then I was like, damn, I actually kind of convinced myself that I want to do that now. But um, I, I, I support it. I think that's great. Yeah. I, I, when when I get the big block in my race van, I'm putting SS badges on my van. Oh, hell yeah. So I, I, I support badging things incorrectly. <laughs> hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, my car is technically an Impreza, so it wouldn't even be a lie. It's just an Impreza WRX with an SCI swap. So, you know, just leaving a little bit out of the conversation. Or like some other totally different trim level, like RS or something. Yeah, put put a Crosstrek badge on it or something. (laughs) Yeah. No, I uh, like I said, I thought it was going to take me a weekend to do this, and it's been over a week now. Everything has just been a pain in the ass on it. I have done basically all of the steps that I needed to do previously, like on other cars and stuff. So I was like, yeah, I'll just do them all again. And it should take like a weekend. And I thought maybe like, ah, you know, an extra weeknight or two. Nope. Worked on it all week. Worked on it all day or all Friday evening, all day Saturday. And I'm still not done. So many bolts stripped, holes stripped out, things just not working right. The car, the donor car that I'm pulling everything from was in a front-end crash, and I wanted to pull the whole front subframe with all of the accessories still mounted to it and slap it in, um, which is what I did on the rear subframe. I just left, you know, the axles, the diff, the suspension, everything all still attached to the subframe. And I just dropped it in. It worked great. But on the front, I think uh, the wreck tweaked that subframe just enough to leave it just barely out of square. So, yeah, I had to pull all the accessories off of my old subframe, all the accessories off the new subframe, swap them all over, put my old subframe in with all the new components. It's just been a big old headache. And I 
didn't think I was going to need to do anything with the AC or the power steering, but because of the subframe swap, I had to break the power steering lines open. And because when I was pulling the motor, I poked a hole in the AC condenser, I have to recharge the AC now. Mm. Yeah. So just little things adding up. Um, And yeah, this dude, this clutch situation has just been killing me. I tried every possible way I could think of to bleed a clutch and it just will not work. It's like half, I got like half pedal maybe right now. So yeah, I've got it up on a trailer. I'm just going to trailer it somewhere, make some calls tomorrow morning when the shops open up and uh, see who can get me in. Oh, you're you're towing it with the Ranger. (laughs) No. (laughs) The Ranger still does not run. (laughs) It still has a bad transmission, but uh, thanks for reminding me that, that piece of shit is still <laughs> sitting on the side street by my house. Happy to help. <laughs> well, I have bled a clutch on an MR2. I don't know how similar it is on a WRX, but man, I if I thought there was something that I was missing, I would say come give it a try. But at this point, I'm fairly yeah. confident that uh, you know something's going on that I'm just that's just. I don't know, witchcraft and wizardry. Yeah, it's probably cursed. Yeah. I've even swapped the master cylinder. Hmm. So. Did you, uh, I know when I left, there was um, some question about the drive shaft uh, U-joints. Did you figure that out? Uh, Haven't driven it yet, so still not sure. (laughs) Hopefully they're okay. I mean, uh, you know, we'll see. I'm going to drive it yeah. and, you know, if it makes some horrible noises, I'll know I need a new drive shaft. Well, it was, it was both, both of the drive shafts that out of the donor car and your, uh, you know, the, the one that you pulled out of your WRX were a little crunchy on the U joints, but I don't know how much actual movement those drive shaft need to, to work on that car, you know? Yeah. It's I not mean, like it's the axles moving around or anything. Right. And if the old one was crunchy, or just as crunchy as the new one, then, you know, I'm not too worried about it. I didn't notice anything on the old one. So I'm sure it's fine. I mean, maybe something to look into if you like see smoke coming out from the (laughs) axle or something like that. Yeah. That'll be the first place I check for sure. (laughs) Dude, there must be something in the air. I tried to help a friend bleed his brakes uh, yesterday. And they would just not like, no matter what you did, the pedal just sunk to the floor. Hmm. Um, did his calipers happen to have bleed nipples on the inside and outside, like two bleed nipples per caliper? Because my dad was helping me bleed my brakes and he didn't know that. And he was like, man, your brakes will not bleed for nothing. And I was like, are you doing both nipples? And he was like, both nipples. I'm like, yeah, it's got two nipples. I, uh, I do that work. I don't even, I don't know nothing about that. Yeah. So, like on dual piston calipers, there's a, a nipple for each piston, and then on four piston calipers, which is what's in the front of mine, there's a nipple for each set of pistons. So basically, each set. like a oh on each side. Yeah, on each side. There's like two pistons in the on the exterior side of the caliper, and then two pistons on the interior side. You know. Gotcha. Yeah. So each set has to be bled individually. Yeah, huh, so like instead of a instead of a um, what do you call it, slide bolts or whatever, it's got pistons on both sides that 
that both move when you hit the brakes, right? I mean, yeah, that's better. That's definitely better yeah. for braking. Seems like it's a pain in the ass for fixing, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it has its ups and its downs. It's, like you said, it's a lot better. Also, like, the caliper is one solid block, like, unit. Like, there's no caliper bracket that holds the caliper. And then, you know, like Brian said, there's no slide pins for it to slide back and forth. It's just yeah. the pistons moving internally and the brake pads moving. Yeah. Okay. That's and they're, fair. they're rebuildable, which is neat. So, like, if you ever hmm. have a caliper go bad, you can pull it apart and reseal it and rebuild it. I mean, I just think it's great that there are tw- roughly twice as many bleeder screws to crack off. That's that's very cool. <laughs> yeah, it's really not that bad, honestly. It's you know, you think it's a lot more work, but it's you're already there. You know, most of the work when yeah. bleeding breaks is just getting down there and getting set up. That's true. But yeah, I think that's it for my car update. Uh, really, that's the only thing I've worked on. I don't know if I mentioned it on the pod before, but I got the Audi running and now it's throwing a code for, <laughs> for timing <laughs> issues. So it's, I think the, uh, the timing uh, chains are a little stretched, even though they were supposedly pretty new when I got it. And I didn't think that they took any damage, but I have now officially replaced every other tiny timing component. So it's the chains themselves. So, if you so really that's an engine want, out thing, yeah. isn't it? Yep. If you really want a Audi project, hit me up. I'm selling it as is. I am fucking done. I'm not pulling the engine out of that fucking thing again. Take what I can get. Make me an offer. I when I was over uh, working on the Subaru with you, I I saw that, and you know, with that big V8 in there, there's no room in that engine bay to work on anything like. Oh, like yeah. you said, you have to you have to take the whole front end apart if you want to do anything on that car. Yep, it's it was not an exaggeration. There is literally zero room. Like, not like man, this is really tight. There's like no room. No, there is no room in there. Legitimately, not a square inch of space, and you absolutely have to pull the entire front clip to do anything. Which is you know, front bumper, front bumper bar, radiator support, core support, radiator. You know everything. I don't even get like how they manage that because like that's like a four liter V eight, isn't it? Yeah, four point two liters. Look, if you had an eight liter V eight, <laughs> I'll take no room in the engine bay. But when you got a four liter V eight, you're like, yo, you guys really couldn't leave a little extra fucking space? Like, come on. That I mean, seems it's it's on. it's based off of a platform that you know in its smallest capacity has a two liter four cylinder in it. So, you know, it's the same exact platform yeah, as an A4, which is, you know, a Jetta, really, of the same gen. So imagine that with a V8 packed into it. And it's all-wheel drive, so it ha- they have to push the motor, you know, that much further forward because it's not transverse-mounted yep. or anything. So the transaxle has to be in between the wheels. So the only space is right up front of the bumper. You know? Yep, jeez. Plus, you know, dual overhead cams makes it that much bigger. Oh, yeah, that's true, too. Jeez, this is a uh, seems like it was a uh, bad design. Yeah, but it, it seems like. Yeah. yeah, I mean, when it works, it's fucking awesome. It's like yeah. it revs out to like 7,500 RPM, like revs out that pretty high. 
It's, you know, got a lot of grunt down low. All wheel drive means that you can just absolutely rip off the line. You know, it's a sweet setup when it's working, but yeah, as far as doing anything on it, repair or maintenance wise, absolute nightmare. So yeah, if you, if that sounds like something that you want to do <laughs> and deal with, hit me up. I'm, I'm getting rid of the fucking thing. Just selling it as is. Cause yeah, like I said, never again will I pull the engine out of that car. I'm sick of it. So technically does run currently, but not, not great. And it, it rattles occasionally. Like it, it doesn't even rattle constantly. So I don't know. Maybe it could be fixed without doing that whole engine out, but odds are not likely. Yeah. Oh, and before I forget, Zach, um, my WRX also has no Freon in the AC system. Oh. So if you want to, if you want to make a party of it, we can refill ours together. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Hit me up. Come on over. We'll do a little <laughs> AC party. Sounds yeah. like a good time. Just bring more of that hard cider. That stuff is banging. <laughs> if I have some, yeah. All right. Yeah, uh, that's that's it for me. I don't know. Are we going to straight reverse order this time? Sure. All right, Connor. What do you got for us? All right, I guess that's I guess that's me. Um, so I've been fairly busy-ish with the car, doing little bits here and there. Uh, I've been amassing parts for an eventual brake job when I feel motivated to do one. And that's going to be pretty simple. Just, you know, pads, rotors, and new uh, drum brakes uh, for the parking brake, which I don't... Well, I do use for parking, but more importantly, I use for uh, locking up the rear wheels and getting sideways. Um, So I've got all of that stuff um, sitting in the garage waiting to get done eventually when I feel like it, which who knows when that'll be. Right now, the brakes are relatively fine i just know that they're you know they're getting they've they've had a good life i will say so (laughs) it's probably time to do them soon so so i got that coming up i i think i'm going to i was debating on you know whether i wanted to open the lines up or not or you know how much bleeding i really wanted to fucking do um but i think i am going to try and inst um a new hydraulic handbrake when i do that so i'm going to go with the GK Tech has a uh, a kit out there where it'll just like mount to your uh, where your trans you know where the shifter is. It'll it, it's got like a bracket with the four bolts around that, and then it like just comes out under the trim um, and has a little bracket that goes on the side, basically. So it'll be easy access, and I shouldn't have to you know cut into my trim too much, which I you know like to avoid. So I think I'm going to try and install that, and then hopefully. I will have a handbrake, you know, a stock handbrake that works well, and also the hydraulic handbrake um, that should actually work because the one I have in there now just doesn't. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm amassing parts for that. So coming soon, I guess, is a brake job. And I'm switching to uh, ceramic brakes instead of like, you know, track pads or whatever that uh, were just okay and made my wheels really dusty. So I'm hoping uh, I got some low dust ceramics. Hopefully uh, that'll keep my wheels a little bit cleaner because um, it looks fucking ugly. Like I- I'm sick of like washing the car and then two days later, it's like my wheels are black. So uh, so not a big fan of that. Um, then the other thing is 
I recently purchased a racing seat from a friend of mine who was getting rid of his, uh, and it is a bride, uh, what do they call it, replica? It's a knockoff, um, but it looks real, and I don't really care about authenticity. Um, I, I actually just care about having you know, a seat that will hold me in place, um, because when I'm drifting, uh, I am sliding all over the place to the point where my elbows hurt when I'm uh, the next day. So, <laughs> so if I'm bracing myself against the door and shit, uh, my arms hurt. So it, it just occurs to me that I would drive probably a lot better if I was like planted in my seat. So I started taking the seat out and I didn't have as much time as I had hoped to, to do that when I started yesterday. And then I ran into a problem and I was like, well, fuck it. I'll just do it Sunday. And now it's Sunday, and I'm here recording, and uh, the the seat is still not in the car. <laughs> the uh, the I should I should actually go back here. the The bracket with the sliders that I purchased also did not fit the seat I got, so uh, I have to actually put the factory seat back in. So it hasn't gone exactly the according to plan, but. I don't know. It's cool. The seat weighs a lot less than the factory seat, especially now that I've taken it out. Like it is the stock seat is real fucking heavy. It's got like motors in it and seat warmer shit. It's it's like it is a fucking 50 or 60 pound fucking thing. So the racing seat will be cool for, you know, looking good, being lighter and holding me in place. Um, I just have to get new a new bracket um, that'll work Um, because I was dumb. I thought like I thought it was just kind of a standard size. Like I went to buy the seat bracket with the sliders and it sold on Z one for my car. And it's just like, Oh yeah, here's this. There's no measurements given. There's no, it works with this seat, that seat, whatever. It was just like, yeah, this is our brand of bottom mount, you know, seat rails and all the other brands were the same thing. It was like, Hey, here's, and they sold like two or three on Z one. So I was like, Oh, these must be a standard. They're not a standard. It turns out. So, um, yeah, so I bought a Corvo seat bracket and uh, I was trying to put it on this bride knockoff and it did not line up at all. So I have to buy the like much more expensive bride seat brackets. Um, so I'm not super stoked on that, but whatever. Um, it's, it's a couple hundred bucks more. So I'm going to buy that and put the, you know, racing seat in later but for now i gotta put the stock seat back in and that might sound easy except for some reason they like there's a little plate with a nut welded on it inside of under the floor pan which is how this the seat actually bolts in and it's like there's this empty space below it followed by another floor pan and when i took the old seat out that little plate with the nut dropped inside there so i am having a bit of an issue getting that back into place so that it'll hold the seat down um so yeah i've spent uh some time today fucking around with that um and it is not super pleasant so i'm not exactly sure how i'm gonna fix it but it's gonna be it's gonna be a pretty hacky fix um (laughs) So, so how did know. that go together from the factory? Did they like install the seat on this bracket and then like weld it in place? Weld so, everything around it or something? No, it's really weird. It's like 
so there's like a uh, a hole with a slot in it sort of although it wasn't big enough for this plate to even fit through so it's like they would have manufactured like the bottom of the floor pans or whatever and then there's like this ridge where the bracket rides on and then like so that's like sheet metal but then underneath that sheet metal on the top is like this plate with the nut i have no idea how it was attached it looks like it was maybe welded and it just kind of rusted through and fell through when I took it off. I don't know why it's rusting is the other thing. I'm like, this is like just solidly interior of the car. So no idea where or why it's like rusting like this and probably just like moisture in the air, I suppose. But like, yeah, so undoing it caused this plate with the nut to just fall through. So basically like right now, I'm either going to have three bolts holding the seat in, which is, uh, you know, it's probably fine. It's not ideal. But like if I get into a crash, it's not great. Um, it'll probably be fine. But, um, you know, it's just not ideal. So what I'm trying to do is like, I don't, I don't know. It's like I'm trying to <laughs> use a magnet to get it up there. Right. And then I like I put some like fucking just silicone on it so that I can get it off if I fuck this up because I have no idea how it's going to line up. Um, but I'm trying to like stick it back there. So like I had to drill a hole and hold, you get something to hold it up. Like it's just a whole fucking, I like this Rube Goldberg fucking going on just to get this fucking bracket back in place. And I don't know why like they did it this way when it's just like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just really weird that you would do it this way when you could just like, I don't know. Well, weld the nut onto the sheet metal directly so that it can't fall yeah I, I, I like i don't i don't know what the i really do not know what the thinking was here it's just it's become a real pain in my ass now so like i've got sort of a temporary situation going on if it happens to line up and work right then i will try and like go in there with some like jb weld and like dab it on there and just hopefully that'll hold up um but you know if it's not i can at least still pry it off so like right now it's actually I have a clamp in there uh, drying off. So hopefully, I mean, hopefully it doesn't just fall back off as soon as I take it off. I don't know. Um, so it's kind of just a temporary solution for right now. But like, yeah, this is this is kind of a real pain in my ass. This thing was not supposed to fall through. Um, clearly, it's just it's a little issue. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I got to figure out some way to deal with it. Worst case scenario, I can make my own new plate with a nut that I'll just weld on. Or no, I, I can't weld. Excuse me. I will JB weld. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'll JB weld like a nut to a, you know, like a flat piece of sheet metal. The one that's like wide enough to just like I can stick it in the slot easier and just like hold it right back up. Um, I'll, I'll just do that if, if I have to. So it, that way it's like got something to pull up on to hold it down basically so yeah we'll, we'll see kind of how that works out but for right now i'm like not super stoked on where i'm at so that's sitting in the car right now and uh yeah i got work tomorrow so i have the pleasure of going right back to it as soon as we're done so i mean worst case i mean like like i said i'll i'll go with the three bolts driving to work whatever it's just it's a pain in the ass when i want to be like relaxing rather than fucking around with this shit so anyway that's that's really all i got for now it's just uh i tried to do a thing i did it poorly and uh you know now i'm fixing my fuck ups so 
whatever. Yeah, that sounds like a pain in the ass, and I don't know, almost like a bad design from... Yeah, it's hard to describe, like, even, because it's just like, wait, why is it that way? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know why it's that way. (laughs) I really don't have a clue. It's very weird that it would be this way, so... Yeah. It's, it's not Audi levels of bad, but it's a little <laughs> goofy. <laughs> well, and I, I like don't have the best tools. So like I'm, just, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make this work. If I have to like to fix it proper, I may have to like cut out a whole fucking chunk of metal um, with a cutoff wheel that I will have to go and buy a die grinder because I don't have one now. Um, so I will try and just like cut a fucking piece out and then that'll get me access to it so i'll be able to like hold it and do shit so if i if it comes to that i can cut it i can cut it apart and do it you know that way but i i'm just hoping that i don't have to go that far oh man i don't want to like i don't want to have to like keep fixing this thing over and over again till i get it right but it kind of just is what it is right now man a sawzall an angle grinder die grinder something to just chop shit up with that's well yeah that's what I've been avoiding it. Necessary. You gotta have one of those. (laughs) I know. I I was kind of like hoping I wouldn't need it. And I'm like, ugh. So I I might look in. I think Milwaukee has an electric one, if I'm not mistaken. I think I'm going to try and do that because I don't want to go the whole uh, air compressor route if I can avoid it. Mostly because I feel like that costs more money. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I think in the long run, it does. Because, like, if you start running air tools, you're going to want a compressor that can handle running air tools for yeah, like exa- extended you got to get like a times. real compressor. You can't yeah. get some baby compressor. You have yeah. to get a real one. And I'm like, uh, I don't want to do that. Yeah. And those are like a grand and it's like, <laughs> yeah, just buy electric shit. It's fine. You can always buy a couple more batteries, you know, for exactly. I can buy more batteries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm, I'm trying to be cheap about this and I'm just like, Oh, this is not great. So, I like my air tools, but I did try to run a die grinder off of a pancake compressor one time off on the, <laughs> in, in a pinch and was uh, shocked at just how little it did. Yeah, you're just like, OK, now we wait for 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I literally thought that I would be able to get like a little bit of use out of it, but it would run out of air in like 10 seconds. And then I had to wait for like six minutes. <laughs> Hard yeah. to make consistent cuts that way. I was just trying to uh, grind something down. Yeah. It was never going to happen. No. So anyway, I mean, that's all I got. But I guess and that's the news is I got a racing seat for, you know, very cheap. And uh, I tried to put it in and it didn't go super great yet. But, you know, as usual, more work to do, whatever. But moving on. So I guess uh, I think that's what that's Bryant it. next. Oh, I thought it was. Oh, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I forgot alphabetical order there for a second. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I haven't been doing a whole lot other than I, I helped Zach with his uh, car. I think we covered that pretty well. Um, I forget if last time I had talked about um, getting the emissions test on my MR2, but I got that done and I got the registration paperwork. I still need to actually go and put the sticker on the car. But uh, if I if it's, you know light out when we finish recording i think maybe i'll go and do that hey hey bryant uh, i'm sorry can i interrupt you real quick what's up um i completely forgot that i also passed the emissions test
Oh, hey, that's bigger news. Yeah. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was last weekend. I was like real worried. Um, I ended up using a bigger vacuum tee in the goofy like vacuum line setup I've got going because of the silly cams and whatever. I, I put in a bigger vacuum tee and then I put 100 miles on the car, mostly highway miles and you know, the engine light didn't come on and I had like I was like driving like just under the wire because the emissions place was like about to close and I was like, well, better go. So I had just enough mileage that I was like, all right, I think it I think it's good. And I went through and I fucking passed. And don't ask me how, because the engine light hadn't come on yet. But it like the test shows like that there was a code I don't know if it was pending or whatever, but it was the code that I've been trying to get rid of and it hasn't gone, you know, hasn't worked. So it was like, it showed up as like a pending code, but I guess it, because it wasn't officially on there, it like let me pass. And then literally the next day that the light came on, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which then the day after it went away and it hasn't come back since. So like as the weather warms up, this goofy setup I have kind of does, take that engine light away um but yeah so i did pass it was i wasn't exactly expecting it but now that i've passed i feel like okay i can i can breathe easy now and i can like worry about getting this tune figured out and stuff because it was just like i want to pass before i go doing extra shit that could make that more difficult so anyway sorry you you saying that you passed uh reminded me that i also passed no that's good i uh so now you just have to get it to run right is yeah. what you're saying okay yeah yeah that's a whole separate thing well and my uh my 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 test is good for two fucking years so i'm like oh this is great this is a fucking luxury (laughs) yeah and and i'm i'm really glad that my uh wrx or excuse me my sabru doesn't have to do an emissions test this year because last year it was a pain in the ass taking the cat off and switching in the stock one and then changing the tune so it was slow as fuck and driving it like that for a while and getting carbon monoxide poisoning and uh (laughs) go back you know a year in our episodes and you can find that one but uh the i was gonna ask you guys so i want to you know redo all the what do you call it bushings suspension bushings on my mr2 and i'm wondering how much i should do while i'm in there taking shit apart uh, cause I could just, you know, take it apart and put in those bushings and put everything back together, but I could also put in new wheel bearings and like powder coat everything. And I'm not sure if that is worth it. I will hmm. at least repaint some stuff that's looking a little rusty, but I'm not sure if it's worth powder coating all of the, uh, suspension components that aren't even rusty. I mean, powder coating would look cool um, and it would prevent, you know, rust and stuff. But like that can be kind of expensive. And at that point, I almost wonder if like if the better value would just be eventually like changing out suspension components, like getting aftermarket arms and stuff, which I don't even know if they really make for the MR2. I assume they do, but no, not. I mean, maybe for the second gen, but I don't think there's any for the first gen. And if if they do make them they're expensive and they're like race hardware like with spherical bushings and stuff i mean that's 
cool and great. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm that you're, not, you're not like not making me want that. So. Yeah, I mean, part of me wants to um, get the front subframe from a Miata and like cut it to fit, and you know, get double wishbone suspension in the front. But that would be a, a huge job, also. So I'm yeah, that would be a huger job, <laughs> a much huger job. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, probably what I'll do is just kind of clean off everything and prime and paint the the parts because I can do that in my garage. Rather, yeah, than, that's real easy. Uh, I feel like that's a good way to go. Yeah, I might even uh, take it to my buddy's house that has a sandblasting cabinet and you know clean it off that way. But probably just you know, is so rewarding. I don't know oh, I why, know. but I uh, it's so good. I used to do it as part of my job and that wasn't as much fun, you know, but, uh, but it is, yeah, like you said, there is something very satisfying to it. Yeah. I love pulling some like rusted out piece of shit off of one of my vehicles and just watching it turn into like that, like dull metallic finish. Right. The, the not so much fun part is when you have those little glass beads and you spill them on the floor and then it's like ball bearings. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's about all I've got going on. I, I'm pretty busy right now with like doing my taxes and editing the podcast and like planting a garden and all that kind of springtime stuff. So I don't know. I haven't had as much time to work on the car or go out and do other stuff. Yeah, that's fair. I feel that. But uh, yeah, hoping to get all all that uh, work done soon on my MR2 so I can drive it. But uh, Brandon, what have you been working on? Um, I have three running vehicles right now. Hey! Which, which for those not keeping count is two more than I had last episode. Note to self, put in air horn sounds here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I find like, uh, so my, my Chevy van was running, uh, last episode but it wasn't running like the rpm drop when you put it into gear was so bad that if you didn't blip the throttle immediately it would die Hmm. um it was actually drivable because once you blip the throttle the rpms would come back up and it would normalize but putting it into gear was kind of dicey uh i gave it a couple of degrees more timing and um enriching the air fuel mixture uh for the idle circuit and now it seems to be running pretty great. The the RPM drop is in a normal range. It's not like at risk of dying. And uh, the only thing that has kept me from actually driving it is I keep forgetting to take my plates with me when I go out to my shop because my plates are on a different vehicle right now. <laughs> nice. And, I love it. Wait, oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. In Minecraft. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, for one, would never transfer plates from one vehicle to another. That is illegal. I don't even. Is it illegal? I mean, if you own both cars and they're both vans, what's the. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You got me there. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Registration goes to a specific vehicle. It can be transferred and you can keep a plate. But uh, yeah, that is illegal. Yes. I mean, but it shouldn't be. I mean, look, uh, you're like "Ah, Ford van, Chevy van. They're both vans. I own them both. What's the fucking difference? I, I think that's fair. 
Um, you could okay. do a little bit of plate swapping as a treat is what is what I'm getting at. <laughs> I mean, uh, car dealerships do it. They got those magnetic plates, you know? Oh, yeah. Dealer plates. Um, it would plate. be sweet to steal some dealer plates to just like keep around because like nobody questions that. Well, maybe. They no, that's know. not true. I've definitely watched a video of a guy near me getting arrested because a cop didn't know what dealer plates were. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's true. Cops are stupid on top of everything. So hmm. really rolling those dice. I mean, I think the moral of that story is they'll find a fucking reason. They don't need to have a real one. They'll just find something. <laughs> also yeah, I, true. Even I if it's like made I, up and not real. <laughs> like. Um, oh, and in and, and the process of messing with my timing, I think like uh, this vehicle has always had a little bit of a bog on hard accelerations. And I think that after messing with it a little bit, I think it just needs more timing, which I don't know if I'm going to give it because then that I can no longer get away with running low octane fuel. Mm. Okay, you can put higher octane fuel in there. Give it some timing. You'll you'll enjoy it. Just, just I am gonna do. Look, don't I, ever look at the eighty seven price. Just wipe it out. Don't look at the gas price signs. Just you go to a gas station, you fill up. Don't ever look at the price, and it's better that way. Yep. Or hear me out. Move to high altitude where your <laughs> compression ratio is effectively lower. That also works. I mean, I've I've never had issues running eighty seven in this van. But if I want to give it more timing, I will have to bump it up. So I'm I'm thinking like I might run the, the tank low and then fill it up with high octane and give it like two or three more degrees of timing and see how it likes it and see how it feels. Because I mean, I, I could be wrong. I This is like a working theory, but um, I kind of feel like if I did two or three degrees more timing, it might get rid of the problem of, of like my poor acceleration. You know, I, I don't know. Who knows Which what the fuck happens? I, honestly, for a test to put the high octane in there makes sense just to be safe. But like, if it does get rid of the bogging, I feel like that would be a pretty good indication that you probably actually could run without the higher octane fuel just because it's like, oh, well, now it's actually running correctly. Whereas before it was like the timing wasn't advanced enough. Uh, if if you're you're talking about a thing that I, I don't know what the... Uh, guts of my engine are and i'm not also trying to put a hole in my piston <laughs> okay there you go that's true if i was like you know what i'm comfortable that i, I have forged pistons and and everything and, and this motor sure I'll, I'll give it a go um but i don't know that i don't have any clue i would i don't know this motor has been pretty solid the whole time i've had it and a lot of things indicate that it was like moderately well built by whoever did it so it could have good internals in it. I just don't know that. That's fair. Uh, and also whoever put it together destroked a 350 down to a 327, which is the dumbest shit. So like, I don't, that's a red flag to me. Yeah. I mean, Why? I've heard of people talk, uh, doing that for like high revs, but for a van, that doesn't make sense. And back in like the seventies and probably eighties, uh, uh, a 327 could make more power than a 350 because they didn't really have the the metallurgy that they needed to rev a 350 up as high as a 327. Mm. And since it would rev higher, 
it could make more power. That's that, that's just the way that power is made. Nowadays, that's irrelevant because you can rev a 383 or, or you know anything with a lot higher stroke, um, just as high as as a 327 or, or 302. But back then, there were more limitations. So uh, destroking was a viable way to make more power. And was this motor rebuilt that long ago? That, that um, made it's sense? Had this, it's had this motor in it since at least the mid-90s. Okay. Now, I don't know if it was put in before that, but like I, I have traced some of the problem. Like it was built or put together at a place in Ohio at some point in the mi- early to mid-90s. So I... I don't think that there's been any significant engine work done on it since then. But I also don't know if it was a new motor then or what was going on. Right. Yeah. Who knows? It could have been anything really. And I really don't know when it, we got to the point where like the parts and everything you wanted to easily like build a high revving 350 like became available and affordable. So, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to really say what they were doing. Hmm. And I, yeah, I, I don't love having a 327 in my van, but until I come across another motor that I feel like uh, doing that work with, I, I'm just going to leave it. It's fine. It gets around. Um, also, I, uh, I've, I've been letting the Cutlass sit. It had a series of dumb problems that made me so frustrated with it that I just gave up on it and have not touched it in almost a year. And this week I decided I charged the battery and, and did a couple of other things track down the keys because i couldn't remember where i put those <laughs> and uh fired it up it, it took me about once the battery was charged and all that it took me about five minutes worth of work to get it running hell yeah Very one nice. thing you gotta love about old carbureted v8s man if, if you can just let them sit for 20 years and just a spritz of starter fluid and it's running again yeah i mean uh, did you have to like clean out the fuel lines and all no. that kind of stuff huh no i just fired it up Wow. Okay. I literally just uh, because uh, uh, mechanical fuel pumps, you'll ki- you can like kill the battery just trying to get fuel into the carburetor. Okay. So I don't fight with that anymore. I just give it a good healthy dose of starter fluid and fire it up, and then hop out of the car immediately and start giving it more starter fluid <laughs> because, <laughs> because until it starts get pulling fuel, it's just going to keep dying. And uh, yeah, I do that two or three times and it runs. Huh. Okay. And uh, I was going to buy new tires for it because I still have like one shredded tire on it. Like I have a, a spare on it, but the it's the wrong lugs and it's not safe to drive. Um, but I had a better idea. I have a huge set of tires on one of my vans that I'm restoring. So it's not going to be, you know, relevant or, you know, used for quite a while. Uh, but they don't fit in the cutlass because the lip, the inner lip of the fender is just barely touches them not, not even all the time just like if you hit a bump or something so uh instead of ordering new tires which would be a few hundred dollars i ordered a fender flaring tool which was 40 there you go nice yeah <laughs> doing, hot boy shit now. doing hot yeah. boy shit yeah, yeah, say, you're, <laughs> you're 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 getting influenced by our import shit yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, like they—it's not like they haven't done that on, on old cars for a while. Because I'm yeah. not—it's—it won't be a visible thing. It's just that that lip on the inside. Just roll that a little bit. Yep. Yeah. So that's the how yeah. it starts. And then you know you go, oh, I could fit a bigger tire if I flared this fender a little bit. Oh man, 
I could cut this fender and add a flare and fit even more tire. You're going to be... Oh, not my style. If At that point, I just say, you know, I could fit a lot bigger tire if I put two inches of lift on the rear of the car and just let that let that shit hang out. There you go. <laughs> Which actually, I, on one of my vans, is how it is. That's, yeah, that's the old school solution, I guess, to that problem. <laughs> uh, speaking of bigger tires, I one thing I forgot is I, I bought... Zach's old uh, wheels and tires from his WRX, the the aftermarket when he once he got before he got the STI shell or whatever. Yeah, wrecked car. So uh, got a good deal on those, and I'll put them on when uh, it stops being winter here, whenever that is. Maybe eventually, get a yeah. couple months out of them. Yeah, before it's winter again. <laughs> <laughs> it was eighty five degrees here on Wednesday. Ugh. I mean, it could be 85 degrees here and then snow a couple days later. So, yeah, fair enough. It has not been 85 degrees since, but the weather ha- there's a reason I'm getting a lot done. It's just <laughs> yeah. been gorgeous outside. But uh, yeah, that's me. I started messing with one of my motorcycles too, but I haven't like actually gone through any of the process of trying to fire it up. I've got a little bit more left to do. Cool, nice. And then um, I forget we. The the Ford you fixed uh, last time. Oh yeah, I, I I found another. There was another time the suspension broke. I can't remember. That was was that even before? Oh, did I talk about that last recording? Yeah, but that was like two three weeks ago. So I might have broke again. I don't know. Um, I just keep <laughs> welding it back together. Fuck it. Okay. <laughs> this this last time will hopefully be the last last time on account of the three eighths uh plate that I used to gusset it. That should be that should be pretty solid. Yeah, and I mean, like the I'm sure that it could just rip part of the frame free at this point, but um, it will at least hold up for a little bit. And at least now I have other things to drive if it does break. Yeah, that's always a nice luxury to have. Yeah. Well, should we uh, take a quick break and then come back with the discussion topic? Sounds like a plan to me. Yep, sounds good. Yep, sounds good. Let's do it. All right, we're back and we're talking. What would you do if you were the Secretary of Transportation? Uh, so I guess in a way, this is a extension of our discussion that we had of uh, climate stalling. What would you do if you were in charge of fixing climate change? Or at least it can be if you want, you know, we can say, uh, you know, whatever administration this is under, you, that's up to your imagination. So maybe you just wake up tomorrow and you are Pete Buttigieg in the, uh, the current administration. Oh, like or, a Freaky Friday situation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or maybe uh, maybe this is after, you know, a revolution and it's like uh, uh, ML sort of government in charge. Or maybe this is like a, an anarchist situation and it's, uh, I don't know, sort of an ad hoc um, uh, committee that you're uh, you're ahead of for for this week until you get voted out or something. I don't know. So Use you your imagination. Recalled. With that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I don't know kind of order we want to go with on this one. Uh, I've got some notes myself that I made last night, but um, anyone want to go first? Or should we go alphabetic? 
alphabetical? Yeah, let's do that. That seems fair. Okay. The same order we did for the uh, car updates? No, let's go reverse, because I'm not ready. Okay. <laughs> I don't okay. want to reverse. <laughs> say, is Zach ready or not? Is gonna be I, I, was, I was about to ask, uh, say the same thing. So. <laughs> Zach is not ready. We're not very... We're not very prepared, as <laughs> okay. usual. That welcome to this podcast. <laughs> if you're, All right. if this is your first time listening, it's always like this. <laughs> I mean, we can cut Sometimes this part it's out. Worse. <laughs> we can cut this part out and pretend that we're professional. Yeah, why lie? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, Brandon, are you ready, or should I go first? You should go first. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All so, right. alphabetical order, not in alphabetical order whatsoever. <laughs> Perfect. Let's do it. <laughs> This is like when I did the torque bolt pattern order. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll figure it out. Okay. So to remind everyone, the organizations within the Department of Transportation include the Federal Highway Administration, the Federal Aviation Administration, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, the Federal Transit Administration, the Federal Railroad Administration, and the Maritime Administration. And I don't know a whole lot about boats and shipping, so I'm not going to go too much into depth on that one. But this is cars uh, and comrades, not yachts and comrades. Yeah, exactly. You know, go back to episode zero if you want to hear about that. So I think one of the first things I would do is to nationalize the railroads and the and the railroad carriers. So the the companies that run on the railroads. Uh, And of course, they would have some sort of worker control with unions. And this is mostly to uh, fix all the safety problems that the railroads have been fucking up on recently. That would be my first priority. Yeah, that's, improve... which, which notably very different from the approach of the current administration who's doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? This is normal. We always have like a thousand derailments a year. Get over it. No, that actually, I cannot emphasize this enough. That actually is normal for us. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, since, since the 90s, we have averaged 1,700 a year. God, that is a lot. And that was actually Pete Buttigieg's excuse was, this shit happens all the time. Don't worry about it. <laughs> this, this was actually the second time in U.S. history that, like, they deregulated it and it just went haywire because at, yeah. <laughs> at the advent of the locomotive, it was even wilder because they were there was just no laws governing it and they derailed constantly. Oh, yeah. And they would like crash old locomotives into each other for fun. <laughs> yeah, Watch them explode. Sick, though. <laughs> yeah, that, um, I can't. I can't fault him for that. Actually, okay. Yeah, can I interject with what uh, what I would do as? Secretary of Transportation, because yeah, it would bring that, that shit back that be for new, sure. <laughs> a national pastime, like. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, and then um, definitely expand and improve Amtrak. So, actually, make it a viable mode of transportation rather than something that retired people do for vacation. Yeah, that would be really cool. I would start electrifying the railroads, uh, you know, starting with the, the busiest ones, um, put overhead lines on them so we don't have any of this diesel bullshit anymore. And with that, I think there's also room within the, uh, you know, charter, uh, I guess, of the DOT to like 
say, hey, if we're making electric railroads, we can like make our own power plants and like make, you know, green power. So like maybe have like solar panels along the right of way of the, the railroads. Fuck yeah. See? Yeah. Dope. And then uh, I'd, I'd be working on high speed rail uh, basically to replace um, airlines. Hell yeah. You know. And now this is something that I've seen uh, explored as a like a test to um, like, are, are you all familiar with uh, pumped hydroelectric storage? Where no. you knew. So, so the idea so. of that is like if you have renewable energy, like if you have solar, you're only making electricity when the sun is up mm-hmm. and you have to store some of that excess power for the nighttime or have some other way of generating power. And one way of doing that is to pump water uphill into a reservoir and then during the daytime while you have power and then let it drain down through a hydroelectric plant uh, at nighttime. And you can also do you can also do this with trains. Um, You can basically put a train at the top of a hill while there's, uh, you know, solar panel available or solar energy available and then let it run down the hill and uh, generate electricity while, you know, while it's nighttime. So I don't know exactly if you could do that at a large scale, but it is a, you know, possibility. All right. So that's, that's, that's really a crossover there. Like you're, you're almost trying to get around, like I'm the, I'm running the department of transportation, but let me work on energy too. I'll use a fucking train. (laughs) Now I get to do this too. (laughs) Hey, I mean, which is great. I love it. That's 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 the kind of outside the box thinking we need. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I, doesn't the Department of Energy control the nuclear weapons in this country? Like, yeah, they do. So I think pretty sure <laughs> there's all, all kinds of weird shit like that. Well, that I didn't know. Let's see. Uh, so as far as highways, uh, no new highways. We're, we're done building interstate highways. No. No more new lanes. We're not expanding anything. We're just going to maintain what we have. Unless, you know, we have a really good reason, I guess. I don't know. Um, (laughs) But, you know, definitely maintain bridges and and so they're not collapsing into rivers and stuff like that. So one thing that a friend of the show, uh, James Gilboy, hit me to was uh, this thing they're trying in Germany right now where they have electric semi-trucks. And they have um, like overhead, like trolley line, power lines above. Hell the... yeah! So, so like the right lane of the highway has electric lines over it, and the the semi truck just puts the pantograph up, touches those lines, and can go for basically however long you want on the highway without recharging. Um, and then when you get off on your exit, you know, then you switch to battery or a diesel engine or something like that. That's fucking uh, awesome. I love it. I love that. But how is that better than a Tesla semi, which is just going to not do any of those things? <laughs> <laughs> what did they get recalled for already? The brakes failing or something? Oh my god! I saw that they were getting recalled. I didn't see what it was for. I didn't read read about it. Yeah, I opened the article, but it's buried under all kinds of car parts shopping I was doing. So uh, I've lost it in the. <laughs> <laughs> so I've lost it for now, but yeah, no one, no one accused us of being serious journalists here. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. 
So that's the, that's the right lane. For the left lane, I'm thinking uh, take that over and turn it into interurban light rail. So before we can get, you know, high-speed rail between all the cities, um, you know, highways, you know, a, a, a light rail train is, I don't know, about as heavy as a semi-truck. So you don't need to, like, beef up the roadway or anything. Just fucking wall off that lane and put some rails in it. Put some electric uh, catenary lines above it. Fucking have interurban light rail. So you could have the same rolling stock that goes um, inside of a city, go between cities, basically. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And then while we're at it, if you've got electric lines over the left lane and the right lane, put some solar panels on top and have like a covered highway. Um, so you don't have to like, uh, you know, blocks the, the rain and snow and stuff from getting on the highway. Also pretty cool. Yeah. So by the way, feel free to stop me if I'm going on long. This is, I'm not even halfway done with this shit. (laughs) No, keep going. (laughs) Uh, so in cities, um, every road with more than two lanes. So if you've got, you know, three or four lanes, one of those lanes gets turned into either um, like a trolley or tram track. Uh, so in, so light rail, urban light rail. Yeah. Or uh, bike lanes it's, or both. You, you know, go. if you have yeah. a wide enough street or road, I mean. Um, so we're going to have or a bus lane. I guess you could do that, too. So we're going to, you know, try and make commuting by car obsolete, basically. You know, in the Netherlands, they have this uh, infrastructure model where it's cheaper to build bicycle infrastructure. You can move more people through it per uh, lane or whatever. So they've basically engineered it. So it's quicker and cheaper, obviously, to bike most anywhere or take public transit than it is to drive. And so, like, you can still drive your car in the Netherlands but it's going to be slower than a bike usually, at least in, a, in in the middle of a dense city. Sweet. So I would also uh, try to um, manufacture bicycles in the U.S. I think, you know, part of being green is not shipping crap across the ocean as much. So I think, you know, we if we're not doing profit motive, uh, we could have uh, bicycle factories in the U.S., and uh, I think we could, you know, churn out enough that we could uh, supply every American with a bicycle or an electric bike. Um, you know, I think e-bikes are really taking off as uh, a, you know, a really good way to to move around cities nowadays. And I don't, I don't, I don't really like all those little electric scooters, uh, the bird scooters and stuff that are left on sidewalks. But I, I feel like, you know, some people like them and maybe there's a way to have that be a, like a publicly owned um, co-op rather than some shitty Silicon Valley startup that loses money and, uh, you know, produces a lot of uh, electric waste uh, products. But yeah, maybe something like where you you can just take a bicycle or a scooter off of a um, locking area and at like a bus stop and then ride it to a business or whatever. Oh, that's another thing. So in most cities, they have what's called parking minimums 
for a certain zoning. So like, oh, you, yeah, you have to have a certain number of parking spots for, um, you know, a grocery store or a hospital or whatever. I would have parking maximums for cars and then parking minimums for bicycles. So like, you go. have, you know, as many <laughs> parking spots for bicycles as possible. Um, all right, moving on. I, I, I would, to, sorry, I would mention, by the way, I think um, the having the like state run kind of like scooter thing uh, seems really good. Although I think in practice, there are some issues with it. Like Chicago has something like that. I think it's, I don't know if it's uh divvy or something else or whatever, but they have like, they do have a problem where these scooters are kind of like littering the sidewalks and like it, it's people are getting hurt on them. So it's, yeah, it does have some issues, um, especially in poorer neighborhoods. Although I, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I remember all of the, what the issues are specifically anymore. I, I just do know that there have been some criticisms of programs like that. So yeah, um, I just know that there's something going on with them. Although I don't know all the details. Yeah. And that's kind of why I say I don't like those scooters is because oh, I don't yeah. think they're safe and the way that they've been used is kind of shitty. Yeah. I mean, to push back on the point of people getting hurt on them just a little bit, uh, watching people fall on those is very funny. <laughs> okay that is a fair counterpoint you got you got us there <laughs> no they are i mean they go surprisingly fast like i was caught off guard and i like to like i mean i had a scooter as a kid i skateboarded and stuff like I'm, I'm used to going fast on like city streets and stuff on longboards skateboards you know Things like that. But yeah, it, it caught me off guard. I was like, wow, I can't imagine being like a 40 something wine mom downtown for the weekend <laughs> and getting on one of these and just ripping the throttle. And like, that, yeah. that's going to get some people seriously injured for real. So, oh, yeah, yeah maybe have gotten injured. Yeah. I mean, that was my initial thought. I, I had never seen someone on one of them before. And I was just like, oh, cool, a scooter that I can rent. I'm going to try this. And I was like, oh, shit, this thing is quick. I've never seen someone sober on one. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So I, I that's why I think like e-bikes might be a better solution for that kind of thing. But I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Maybe there's a, a better way to do scooters. Yeah. Maybe just not as fast scooters, I think, might solve a lot of the problems. I mean, not like the littering all around and, and just generally being a nuisance, but. It could definitely help if they just weren't quite so speedy. Yeah. Because I don't think people can handle it, honestly. People are really bad yeah. at throttle control, <laughs> like, <laughs> in general. <laughs> so, you know, probably not best to give somebody a scooter that weighs, like, over 100 pounds and can do, like, 20 miles an hour. They're, they're just not going to handle that well. Yeah. Um. Let's see, where was I? Okay, yeah, so for car companies, uh, of course, we're going to nationalize those and have uh, worker union control. I I think it'd be good to have a goal of uh, phasing out the manufacture of SUVs and pickup trucks for private use. At least, like, I don't think anyone needs to be commuting in a Suburban or, like, a full-size pickup, mm -hmm. you know, unless you uh, 
need to bring like seven people across a mountain or, um, you know, haul a bunch of stuff to a job site or something. And, you know, eventually I think it'd be good to phase out uh, combustion engines for, or at least vehicles that only use combustion engines. I think, you know, there's room for hybrids as a um, transition or, or for uh, certain cases. I, I I would, I mean, this is just my personal soapbox, but I would like to streamline the rules for um, uh, registering like foreign cars in the U.S. So like you can import a Skyline yeah. and... <laughs> stuff like that that is not your personal soapbox that's definitely on my list yeah (laughs) i think that is generally the position of this podcast as a whole like yeah (laughs) but yeah i also i kind of want like a k car or something you know something like that absolutely i I think it would also be good to streamline the rules for like restoring uh, vintage cars and registering them or like building your own hot rod or a prototype car, that kind of thing. And I think or finding I'll... ways to register stolen vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, and uh, I think it would be good to just like, since we've nationalized all these auto companies, uh, make all the designs open source. So, you know, yes. uh, any, <laughs> any backyard uh, mechanics can, you know, well, as long as you have the the tools, like I don't know, build a, a an engine, you know, from a, a blueprint, or um, you know, hack a Tesla drive unit to swap into your Honda or whatever. Yeah, that kind of thing. I think also, you know, if there's if let's say we have a revolution in the U.S. and there's other countries that are being hostile towards us, uh, let's say we don't have to reg uh, to we don't have to respect their intellectual property laws and we can like make knockoff yes. BMWs and stuff. <sighs> yeah. By the way, I feel like I didn't really get into it when I was doing my car updates, but the, I was thinking about the fact that I have this like knockoff bride seat. I was kind of like, damn. All right. You know what? China doing some right. I- I'm, I'm with this. <laughs> this is just like straight up stealing of luxury goods. And they're just like, Oh, we're going to produce something that's very similar for way fucking cheaper so that like working people around the world can just like have this luxury good. And I'm like, damn. All right. Now that I have one pretty sweet, uh, I dig it. Not respecting intellectual property rights. Very cool. Dude, yeah, one, very of, one of the things that is like, like the hardest for me to keep my mouth shut about, but it's also just not worth the battle is constantly hearing somebody like, talking about how something's made out of Chinesium or whatever, like, oh, it's made in China, it's garbage, whatever. I'm just like, dude, don't complain. You're the one who paid three cents for it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, also, it depends on the thing. Like, you're like, yeah, they can make good shit there. It's just that when American companies go there to save money and they give them the spec, guess what? They follow the spec and it's dog shit because they wanted it to be dog shit. It was to be cheap. That's why. And they like yeah. use it to like we in this weird racist like denigrating of Chinese people. And I'm like, you know, it's a U.S. company that gave them the fucking design, right? Like, you know, they do that for a fucking reason. It's not like, oh, Chinese people bad at making things. It's like, mm, no, that's not what's going on here. Actually, you're just racist. <laughs> if anything, it shows how good they are at making things cheaply. Like if yes. you spend twenty dollars on a torque wrench, 
Like that company that sold you that is making a profit. And so is the company who produced it. And so is probably some like middleman and probably another middleman and maybe two or three more. Guess what? That had to be produced for literally pennies. How the fuck do you think they did that? Insane amounts of ingenuity. Like they're really good at making things for dirt cheap. But it's yeah, not their see. fault. They're good at it. Like, what? why are you trying to let's, make it a let's, negative? Let's see. Let's see how good the uh, twenty dollars torque wrench is when it's made in America. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it literally would just be a toy. Like it would. It would be yeah. fake. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, part of like having where where I really got to actually think about it with this seat. I was like, damn, this seat like just meets my needs exactly it serves the purpose that i want it's lighter than stock it looks cool and i'm just like and i paid like nothing for it whereas this seat you know brand new would from bride and it's authentic it would be like a two thousand dollar seat oh my god i picked it up for a couple hundred dollars i'm like yeah this is great actually and it's a pretty good it's a pretty good um uh replica too like it looks pretty legit so um and i mean yeah is it good, F- good for china is it like fia certified probably not but you are understanding that it's not and you're not relying on it to be like a critical component in a crash you know if yeah, you treat no, it just no, like it's... any regular stock seat it's really no different exactly i'm just like if i you know yeah i'm gonna try not to crash that bad if i'm <laughs> if i'm getting up in- <laughs> If I'm getting up into real speeds, I am going to probably change it the next couple of years and get like two matching seats. But like for right now, it does serve the purposes pretty well. So yeah. um, just the fact that you mentioned exactly that, Bryant, I'm like, yeah, 100% not respecting intellectual property is actually pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So also, uh, you know, I would tell the car companies to um, emphasize manufacturing durable cars that are easily repairable and to uh, get away from planned obsolescence. So like make as much cross compatibility as you can with designs. Like I I've harped on this before, but like there's a article, I think it was by Jason Torchinsky. Like this world does not need like 20 different two liter turbo engines. Uh, from a bunch of different manufacturers, yeah. you know, like I know, I know the <laughs> article you're talking about. Yeah. Um, you know, we can, we can have like, you know, one V8 engine, one four cylinder, one V6, whatever between the big three auto manufacturers. Like it doesn't need to be this complicated. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we covered that article on this yeah. show. Actually, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's, that's pretty, I'm with you. And, uh, and then, so as the car companies, you know, phase out internal combustion, they move to hybrid and electric. And then eventually as, you know, the, the, um, expansion of rail and bicycle infrastructure makes cars less, uh, important as a, you know, means of commuting, uh, we could transition the, the auto manufacturers to building things like trains, buses, emergency vehicles, wind turbines, that kind of thing. So like there's plenty that needs to be manufactured, but not everyone needs to buy a shiny new car every two, three years or whatever. Agreed. Yeah. All right. So um, moving on to air travel, um, day one, hour one, immediately confiscate all private jets. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's on my list too. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, I I'm would actually... You disagree with that 
Uh, I would just. <laughs> yeah, that might be a better policy actually <laughs> yeah you know maybe if they try to leave you know literal capital flight we have the the people's air force uh the people's air force. <laughs> <laughs> the horizontally organized uh committee of fighter jets to <laughs> capitalists <laughs> sign me the fuck up i mean we don't have to we can kindly ask them to land. But can and, we though? That's the question. I mean, we'll leave that as a last resort, you know. Oh, fuck. <laughs> You're going to have a lot of pilots explaining that it was the last resort, that they just didn't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> I asked him like one time, kind of. I gave him fair warning. <laughs> okay, so after that, <laughs> we'll uh, nationalize all the airlines, airports, aircraft manufacturers. Uh, with, of course, uh, working control of all those industries. Hell yeah. So uh, this is something that was on um, the Turn Leftist podcast like maybe six months ago. Uh, there's a guy named uh, Joe Mayall who um, wrote on his Substack the case for nationalizing airlines, I believe. And uh, he his idea was basically to, um, you know, there's all these problems with like mergers and like worker dissatisfaction with the airlines and then also like uh that thing a few years ago where united like pulled the guy bodily off the plane you know that there's all this bullshit that's going on with um capitalism controlling airlines so he had this idea that like basically until we can get like high-speed rail going we should run the airlines as a national service to you know, make it affordable and easy for the working class to get around the country. And you can listen to the episode of uh, Turn Leftists or read the uh, the article for more information on that. But I, I think that's a good idea. You know, we I mean, we definitely don't all need to be flying everywhere, but uh, it until we can find a better way, uh, you know, what we're going to have to do that. Although I do think that you know, maybe with uh, some sort of communist revolution, we could have a thing where you can like, instead of only getting like two days off to go to your grandma's funeral, you can um, take a week off and like take the train there or something like that. I think there's there's room for that kind of thing as a transition if if we decide that air travel is not sustainable, you know? Yeah, I feel like that's... I feel like that just wouldn't be under the purview of a person, you know, although maybe after a communist revolution, you could just be like, well, we're making this under the purview of the the secretary of transportation. But like, I thought that myself, like we would have to just like have more vacation time for like people to take road trips instead of having to just fly everywhere because it's like, well, I don't want to waste all my time traveling. You know, I want to be at my destination but if we gave people adequate vacation time, they could just take the train or even a car, like something less shitty than a plane. Isn't high speed rail like not even that fucking slow compared to planes? Oh, yeah. not No, it's really not slow at all. Like yeah. it's almost as fast. Yeah. I think in Japan, they are doing an experimental maglev that goes like 400 miles an hour or something. Jesus. That's uh, awesome. Well, it's it's or whatever 600 kilometers an hour is uh pretty fucking you know, fast i wonder i wonder if they ever derail probably not huh 
Well, they they said that they had some uh, like what do you call it safety stuff built in to like if there's a power outage or an earthquake, it'll automatically like slow down and stop. Damn, that's fucking. I mean, meanwhile here we have fucking seventeen hundred <laughs> derailments a year, and it's just like, what the fuck, man? Yeah, Ugh, crazy. Yeah, and in Japan, you know, like if your train is five minutes late, you're, you know, someone's head is going to roll. Fair. And then I guess we could like try and work on carbon neutral aircraft um, if that's, you know, a thing that we decide we need. But I don't know if we actually need aircraft for a majority of things other than like emergency vehicles or whatever. So... I would also work with the National Park Service to run racetracks and off-road trails. Oh, hell yeah. So, like, basically, the idea is, like, you know, get more people doing track days and off-roading, but fewer people owning Jeeps and sports cars, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Have it be more of a community-organized thing. So, you know, promote motorsport as, like, a recreation for workers uh, we could have like government buyback of sports cars, sports bikes, SUVs, and then have them as like quote rental vehicles at the the tracks. Like maybe you wouldn't necessarily pay a fee, but like you'd probably have to go through some kind of like licensing and training uh, thing before they just hand you the keys to a Corvette or whatever. I'm not sure if we've like talked about this on the show before, but I have definitely. I'm pretty sure I have talked about almost the same idea, like state run racetracks and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah super about it definitely cool making that shit accessible without having to actually own that shit would be amazing yeah basically like one of those like rent a supercar for a day tracks but not a thousand dollars right yes like actually make it reasonable and it doesn't have to be you know supercars it could be you know like a drift car or a drag car or a whatever car or even just go-karts you know Mm mm-hmm You'd probably like work your way up from go karts to supercars, you know, as far as like licensing is concerned. Yeah. Hell yeah. I support it. And then, you know, the last um, agency under the DOT is Maritime Administration. Like I said, I don't know a lot about ships and shipping because I live in Colorado. It's a thousand miles from any ocean. But I, I think there is a way to like decarbonize shipping, possibly like maybe biofuels or like sailboats or something. I I had this idea a while ago of like, what if you had like an autonomous container ship that's sail powered? So like you didn't have to have like crew on there for months at a time. And, you know, if it's if it's something that doesn't matter how quickly it gets to the the destination. Now, Brian's found a way to sink just in time shipping (laughs) (laughs) as the secretary of transportation. I love it. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's plenty of stuff that doesn't need just-in-time shipping, you know, but um, almost all of it, actually. Time shipping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I guess in, no in capitalism terms, it does, but yeah, um, your uh, your iPhone isn't going to like rot and spoil in the in the shipping container or whatever, unless it does <laughs> actually sink to the bottom of the ocean. But yeah, uh, new maritime law. Uh, this is a personal one for me. Uh, pontoon boats now. Uh, legal minimum blood alcohol level. (laughs) (laughs) No one sober has any business driving a pontoon boat. I mean, I couldn't tell you 
a single time I've been on a pontoon boat with a sober driver. So, you know, I don't think you have to make a law. I'm pretty sure that's just generally understood. <laughs> it's kind of a rule of the road, as it were. You go on a pontoon boat, you got to have a little, little of the sauce in you. Yeah. But um, I would think it would be more worth it to like work on local manufacturing of uh, goods that are normally shipped across the ocean rather than make shipping green, you know, just build shit here. And then we won't have to worry about, you know, carbon footprint of international shipping. True. Oh, but I, you know, I was talking about like, you know, making like racing and stuff more uh, democratic. I think you could also do the same with thing with like uh, snowmobiles and boats and jet skis and stuff like that. Like, Hell you know, yeah. <laughs> get all get all those uh, yachts and and make them uh, publicly available to anyone that can pass a, a sailing exam or whatever. I agree. I like it. But I've gone on for a while. Uh, who who wants to go next? Uh, Brandon, are you ready? Uh, I don't know if I'm ever going to be ready. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll 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 tackle this. Okay. I I, I like. Uh, yeah, for, first of all, you would definitely have to like work on like taking all like urban infrastructure away from being built around cars, whatever you, know, you have to do to like accomplish that sort of goal. But like, yeah, start walkable cities, man. It, I, the more I, I read yeah. about it and, and see and, and hear stuff from overseas, I'm just like, man, that sounds excellent. Yeah, doesn't it? You're just like, like right now where I'm like, man, I got to get my shit together so I can get to work tomorrow. And I'm like, what if I could just like walk or bike to work? Like, how much better would that be? Yeah, it's it like being car guys. It's like extra weird because like exactly what you're going through. I've been through a million times. And I'm sure we all have where uh, you're like, well, I'm guess I'm going to be up late tonight so I can put my car <laughs> back together and get to work. Yeah. yeah. I've even done one step worse and been like, okay, well, I guess I better get my car back together because I have to get home from work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just everything about it. I'm with you. Walkable cities, man. You know, I since I work in a windowless office right now, I usually like I have two monitors on my computer at work, and usually one of them I have like a YouTube video of just some like landscape drone footage or something just as wallpaper and one of the channels i found recently is this guy that does um like just puts a gopro on his forehead and walks around um like tourist towns in europe uh and mostly in italy so like he'll go like you know walk around uh the amalfi coast or whatever all these like medieval old villages like in like like or like florence or whatever rome and it, it does make me just jealous of like how easy it is to get around those towns as a pedestrian or a cyclist or whatever. Also, I bet that guy makes like a bajillion dollars a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I need to find a way to make money doing nothing. <laughs> yeah. Let's see what else. Um, you, you know, like if, if to whatever extent we're going to have cars, I, yeah, obviously first of all, nationalize that shit modularity uh you don't need you like if we're gonna do like right now the current sort of ridiculous mandates for electric vehicles uh no man make it so that like if 
you have a platform and when the time comes where somebody has created a motor that's much more efficient or whatever, you undo the eight bolts holding the old one in and disconnect the lines and pop the new one in. Like just in like have cars be full blown Legos without you needing like $5,000 in adapters. And if there are no like massive competing companies, then you get to do that. You get to just say like, okay, this engine bay looks like this. It does this. I love, see, I love things being modular and standardized and like, doesn't have to stop quote unquote innovation, right? You can still innovate and be like, oh shit, this is better. New standard, everybody. We found the better thing. Everybody do this. I mean, any mm-hmm. like car guy, like you know, think of, of, you know, any car guy that like is sort of like me who would argue against modularity is insane. Cause that's what we all love Chevy for. Yeah. It's the uh, reason I love Subaru. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Like exactly. Subaru is the same way. I can drop a six cylinder Subaru. Like I was talking about earlier, you know, I want to do a six cylinder Subaru Baja, That that's going to be easy. The motor mounts are going to be in the same spot. The transmission, any transmission that they've ever made will bolt right up. It doesn't matter. It's all going to fit right in because it's modular and that's within one brand. Yes. But if we could expand that out to just like the car industry as a whole, God, that would be awesome. Well, and what's funny is I think a lot of auto manufacturers are actually kind of moving in that direction where they're trying Mm -hmm. to like, okay, we make one platform and every car is going to be like, like kind of like Subaru has the global platform or whatever, right? Where they're going to just start changing, like have this body and it's all going to be the same, like guts inside. And it's like, gee, it's like it took capitalism how long to figure out that, oh, you know, actually, if we just standardize stuff, we could just like kind of get by and not have to re-engineer the wheel over and over and over again for no fucking reason. And you're like, yeah, the socialists have been saying this for, what, 200 years now? Yeah. But capitalism finally just caught up, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, they were spending all that time innovating, so they couldn't focus on doing smart things. <laughs> yeah. I think I was talking a while ago about how like a Chrysler Sebring and a um, Mitsubishi Evo 10 are built on the same platform. So if you wanted to, you could make a Sebring Evo 10. That would be Uh, so cool. That's sick. (laughs) But like those are two different companies. Why? You know, they're sharing this technology, but like, you know, obviously they came to some deal for that. But like they figured out, hey, look, it's why why engineer this twice? You know? Yeah, it makes sense. No, 100%. They've been doing that for years. And it's just like it, it. everything about capitalism just goes to prove our point over <laughs> and over again. And yet we're the crazy ones. Well, and also, like, if you think of, like, industrial equipment, like electric motors and pumps and sensors and, like, hydraulic equipment, those are all more or less built off of, like, standard sizes and bolt patterns and that kind of thing. Like, there's, like, probably 20,000 different companies making like half horsepower electric motors with a half inch drive shaft or whatever, you know, like yep. the keyways are standard. They have been for like a hundred years or whatever. So like, why, why not uh, car parts also, you know? Yeah. Also, if, if any, like if there was like resistance to nationalizing the auto industry, I would simply, I would get all of like the heads of, of the, like all the major like American car companies, I would get them in a room together, and I was. Would... <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I thought you were gonna like, say. Gonna be the... <laughs> I thought you were gonna say you're gonna get all the heads together. 
Uh, uh, we're going to have to edit this one a little bit. Oh, shit. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, keep going. That's fine. <laughs> um, wait, so I, so I should stop advocating against the rich. I quit. The no, show. it's just, you know, I, I'm going to have to edit around it a little bit, you know, I'll, I'll edit it leave, for you. Leave some stuff. <laughs> uh, edit to add emphasis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you oh, could the, just the, like you should we should get like a Brian, you should just like say on a recording like this is a fucking joke, parody, sa- satire, and just like throw it in everywhere. <laughs> all over the place. It's like, ah, satire point, you know, <laughs> we're, we're joking. Instead of the bleep noise, just say parody and have that covered up. <laughs> just yeah. yell it instead of the bleep, and it's like and then well, parody, parody, parody. <laughs> <laughs> parody alert. <laughs> and then I'll take their heads and I'll parody, parody, parody. Yeah, it's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I, honestly, like if if my big things, I like the idea of modularity, walkable cities, and I would go really fucking hard on high speed rail. Yeah, yeah, and, like, and that's the more like you know, quote unquote glamorous stuff. Like obviously, the entire rail networks in the U.S. one needs to be nationalized, and two needs to have like massive. Yeah, honestly, like. My genuine, like, nuts and bolts approach to this would not be, like, cool to talk about our fun because uh, the U.S. has a massive infrastructure. We don't really need more in a lot of places. We just need maintenance. Like, I I can't remember if I talked about this last episode or something, but in town, we just had a bridge be shut down for one day for maintenance. And now it's going to be closed for, like, two or three years because they found so many problems. You know, this being the city where last year we, or the year before we got on the news because the day that Joe Biden came to town, a bridge <laughs> fell down. <laughs> and miraculously, no one was seriously injured. But like, that's the state of the infrastructure around here and and across the entire country. So like, yeah, if you're going to be the head of, of the department and controlling all of this on a national level, then like, yeah, you have to put a big, big emphasis on maintenance. And it's just not glamorous to talk about that. But it's, it's you know, bad when bridges fall down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I, I guess that's really me is I would just lean hard into like um, pu- public transit and, and maintenance of the existing like things that we have. Okay. Just and nationalize fucking everything. Like, obviously, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. You nationalize all pub uh, public property. How about that? I, I like it. No yeah. more private property. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> a novel idea. Yeah, I said public. <laughs> what a, a dumb mistake. But yeah, <laughs> nationalize all private property. <laughs> every train will have a toothbrush for everyone to share. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, okay, look, if... If we're ever lucky enough to have a revolution in the United States, we do have to like lean into the toothbrush jokes. And I feel like that's just got to be a whole thing. It's like you go into a fucking public place and there's like a break in emergency and it's like a toothbrush. And it's like, (laughs) this is your toothbrush to share. (laughs) I don't know. I I feel like our uh, nationalize everything is our version of that one uh, Iranian cleric that's like, you know, and death to America, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Connor, that's you. 
All right. Um, I've got a list here. A lot of it has been covered to some extent, which is great. A lot of it hasn't, though, so should have some interesting one. Um, obviously, like everyone else, I'm going to go into trains. Trains are, come on, obviously, no fucking brainer. So I'd be looking to make the whole existing rail industry safer and better for workers. Obviously, no more of this like, hey, here's one person in charge of like 150 train cars. No more of that, you know. And hey, of course, this would create jobs and all that good stuff. So, yeah, I would just kind of be like, yeah, trains got to be fixed much better. And high speed rail, big part of that, obviously. Um, I don't think that's like breaking new ground, really. One of the things I would do is I'd at least put into practice some research programs and some like funding for you know, public funding, you know, the way we've innovated pretty much everything in the last century. So I would kind of use some public money and create these research programs for hydrogen engines um, to just kind of explore the possibility a little bit more. Um, I've heard conflicting things on whether it's, you know, how viable it is, but I do think there's something there. Um, I think, you know, some of the big criticisms of, oh my gosh, how would you, it's like, well, we have existing pump infrastructure. It seems like it just, it seems like a, a feasible thing for at least a, you know, some period of time, you know, whether it's 20, 30 years or whatever, as a transition to, you know, while we do the rest of this stuff we're talking about in the episode. So I'd at least be curious about more investment in hydrogen power. Um, it, it seems, I think there's something there. And I feel like, you know, Toyota's been kind of big on that. And I feel like there's a reason they're they're still investing in it, so... I'd put some money into that. I can speak on that a little bit. I mean, just having seen a little bit about like, like mostly the issue is like, where does that hydrogen come from? And in the U S at least a lot of it comes from natural gas from Mm. chemically altering natural gas to take the hydrogen out of it. So like, that's really where you have to, you know, worry. Like there's, there's definitely issues with like, you know, storage and transportation and actually using it in cars or whatever. But like the biggest issue is where does it come from? Um, and there's ways to make it like green from uh, if you have uh, abundant electricity or um, I think you can use the heat of a nuclear reactor or like concentrated solar to yeah. make, make hydrogen. But um, yeah, just you got to figure out the production side of it first. Well, and, and that's kind of what I'm getting at. It's like, yeah. I don't necessarily know the answer, but I'd I, I, I mark some public money for that. Like, hey, let's actually like figure it out. Is it viable? Is it not? I don't know. Let's stop leaving it to fucking private companies to figure this out. I think I would probably say I'd do the same for the quote unquote synthetic fuels. Um, I, I'm personally, I'm pretty skeptical of their claims, but like, I don't know. I'd investigate it. And, and that's like, I feel like that's a thing that could be done short of a revolution even like some of these things are going to be like yeah we'd have to have a revolution to get this kind of shit done um but there's some things that i'm like i think pete Buttigieg could do this tomorrow like yeah you know again i'd be interested to see more about these synthetic fuels like i said i'm pretty skeptical i think a lot of it is kind of just a scam where it's like uh well what we do is we have some unknown carbon capture technology that takes the carbon out of the air and then we burn gas and it's carbon neutral. I think that's what it is. Maybe there's more to it. I don't know. But like, again, I'd I'd consider looking into it further. And I think like 
if any part of it relies on carbon capture technology, which I think the I think the scheme that Porsche was coming up with involved some carbon capture shit. Any investments into carbon capture seems like probably a good thing. I'm pretty sure we're going to we're going to be blitzing right past the uh, point of no return on emissions here. So, <laughs> yeah, um, so it seems like we should know how to take some of it out of the atmosphere at some point. Like, uh, <laughs> and if if my position is, tr- you know, secretary of transportation and I can find that backdoor way to get into that kind of shit, um, I, I think I would take that opportunity because, you know, you can't really rely on anyone else to do that, apparently. Um, so uh, moving on, um, I would force U.S. car makers to produce new K cars for the U.S. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, uh, okay, oh, hey, guess what, Ford? Um, I know you didn't want to make cars anymore, but <laughs> I'm Secretary of Transportation, and I say... Uh, I don't know, 20% of the cars you sell have to be K cars. Get it done, motherfuckers. You know, we could make different standards for them. Like, you know, maybe they don't have to be as safe or whatever and this and that. But like, just cheap, usable little cars that don't spew as much carbon emissions seems like a good thing. And it seems like it's probably safer for pedestrians and stuff. I don't know. Like, this seems like it would be a good transitionary thing especially in like major metropolitan areas where like you know yeah like it would be cool to make cities more walkable and everything and i obviously would support all of that but i think k cars could could serve a transitionary role in there too Um, yeah so maybe maybe you could say it like you know you're not allowed to take this on the interstate but even then you know what uh I have driven on the interstate in like, you know, rough conditions with my hazards on at slow speeds. Yeah. <laughs> it can be done. I think K cars could do it. And, okay. you know, hey, you got to stay in the right lane, but unless you're passing, in which case you can go to the center lane or whatever the fuck. But I think I think it could be done. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd, I'd be looking to force them to do that. I would be putting limits on vehicle weight and dimensions. Mm-hmm. Um, cars are just too goddamn big. Just too yes. fucking big. No more. Yeah. Yeah, that 9,000 pound Hummer, gone, gone. We're going to use it for fucking scrap. We're going to light it on fire on national TV and say, these giant cars are done. Or break down those battery packs, make like 4,000 e-bikes out of it. Yes, that would be better. I do like the fire idea, though. But um, (laughs) I get get where you're coming from. So, So, yeah, like I, I just we would have to stop cars from getting bigger and bigger especially if like the goal is to get more efficient uh weight reduction seems like a big part of that so like we just have to like we have to stop the bleeding of like trucks getting larger and larger and suvs getting larger and larger it's like hey they need to actually go the other way they got to get smaller um and even if like the dimensions don't change as much y'all got to use more aluminum and more carbon fiber like and which would uh, of course, make carbon fiber and shit less expensive. If it was more produced, you get economies of scale. That kind of process begins. It's just if the state comes in to force that to happen, you can get those kinds of outcomes. It's just, you know, y- y- you can't rely on private companies to do it. So, yeah, cars got to get fucking smaller. I would probably be looking to um, put some new safety features into cars because, I don't know, it seems like we should reduce um traffic deaths to some extent um that just seems like a good thing uh i'd also be looking to do more like quote-unquote green infrastructure and and like by that i mean parking lots that are like you know 
um, have grass or moss or something. So like you could do like concrete mesh or even just like almost like chain link steel as just like an, an anti-erosion kind of setup, but like have like a little bit of just like naturally growing grass um, coming through that so that this would have a few different effects. One plant, you know, any plant life is taking carbon out of the atmosphere. That's good. But also at the same time, this can prevent, you know, uh, like the, whatever they call it, the urban desert heat sink kind of effect where it's like yeah. city yeah. areas get like really, really hot from the hot parking lots. So I just feel like that's a kind of two birds, one stone sort of situation. It's like, hey, we could just like, this is easy. Just like incentivize, hey, your parking lot's got to be fucking have grass in it now. Like maybe not out of control grass, but like it's it's got to do something for us. It's which this would be great for areas that flood a lot and stuff too. So like you get cities like Houston, this would be great for them. You could always get like, you could always get like a double whammy with that too. And be like, it has to be native wildflowers or like edible flowers where like, you know, if you needed to in a pinch, humans could eat this or like the native insects and wildlife can utilize this. It's not just fucking Kentucky bluegrass that just sucks up water and doesn't do shit. Well, and, and like, and that's why moss is like really good at that. Like it's yeah. super efficient at pulling shit out of the atmosphere. And it's like, this kind of stuff is like, this could be done tomorrow. A revolution doesn't have to happen for that simple thing. And this helps cool the planet. Literally. Connor's leaning yeah. into revisionism. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing, uh, probably is I'd be looking to add like Ivy and shit all over the place. Like just Ivy growing everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> That shit just grows itself. You know, you don't got to water it or nothing. But put it on like things like highway sound walls. It would look better and uh, it would serve some other purposes, you know, reducing noise pollution and stuff like that. Um, I'd also be looking to reforest areas around roads and highways, which, again, acts as a sound barrier, stops light pollution, noise pollution, helps filter the air. You know, it looks better. seems like just a kind of a no brainer to me. And it would be nice if like. You know, to get a secretary of transportation who's like, you know what? We're just going to plant a bunch of shit. That seems cool. You could also like grow uh, like biofuel plants along the highway. Yeah. See, perfect. Man, how perfect. effective, how effective do y'all think it would be to, instead of having concrete barriers in the middle of highways, have like big ass thick trees that are just Fuck yeah. so closely spaced that like it would catch a car. You know what I mean? Like instead of having yeah. a, a concrete barrier, just have trees. You know, no, no, that, no. that works, right? Like, I'm not crazy. You know, like, works with the physics. It wouldn't just blow through. You wouldn't necessarily have so many like glancing blows as like head-on collisions. You, you could know, you it, could like put guardrails along them. I think instead okay, of a yeah. concrete wall, though, like you yeah. could put like little gu- metal steel guardrails or something so that you do okay. get glancing blows. I feel like it could be done. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna try and run through because we are up against the clock here. Obviously, just like you said, I'm gonna get rid of private jets. No more. Uh, large ships are going to have to be retrofitted for using alternative energy and fuel. So like sails, we could definitely go back to wind like there is. And they are experimenting with that shit now, even if it's just like supplementary to a gas engine or whatever ships, I think take up like as much carbon emissions as like all the cars in the U S. So it's like, it is kind of a big fucking deal. So like, yeah, we're going to put some big fucking sales on there. And I'm pretty sure we can make way bigger sales than they did in like 17 whatever. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. I mean, isn't there literally like one ship that's emitting as much carbon as all of the cars in the entire U.S.? Probably. I don't know if that's well, I, inaccurate I think or it's not, a, but it's like something crazy that like that. It's a small <laughs> handful of ships do put okay. out pretty much as much as like all the cars. Yeah. So like investing in changing that would be important. So I feel like wind and nuclear power, like there's no reason you can't run these off nuclear little power plants. Um, yeah, it's been done on before. The ship. Yep. So that would be good. Uh, I'd be saying no more autonomous cars. Fuck that shit. Partially <laughs> because it would personally fuck up Elon Musk, and that would be cool. But also, you know, yeah, no, no more of that shit. I would also say this is just a personal thing. Car makers would have to make some percentage of their cars with manual transmissions, like ten percent or something. <laughs> Purely self-serving, oh, yeah. but oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, under me, manual transmissions are here to stay. Whether they're in their fucking K car, or whatever gotta have some fucking manuals and then last thing i got here and i don't know exactly how effective this is so again i'd kind of like want to look into it first more but like painting some of the streets and highways white um to reflect sunlight kind of like the ice caps used to do but we don't have those really anymore so it would have to probably have like kind of a matte finish um or something like that but i think there was like some kind of experiment on this in la I haven't really heard much beyond it. I just knew that they were like testing it out. So I don't really know the results of that, but like if reflecting sunlight back out would help cool the planet, that seems like also something we could do. I wouldn't want it to like blind drivers or anything. So like, I think it would have to be done with care, but like, you know, I I feel like anything we can do to worry, to do something about climate change seems like an important thing to do. So anyway, that's all I got. Uh, Zach, if you want to run through yours real quick. Uh, yeah. yeah, we're right up against the clock right now. We <laughs> yeah. have... Sorry, I took so much time. No, you fucking yeah, you did a great did. job of covering yeah, yours. Yours are actually well thought out. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, luckily, I get to go last. So that means that I can just say uh, that everyone did such a good job of covering like everything that I don't really yeah, feel the said. need to add anything. Exactly. Yeah. What everyone else said. I mean, nationalize industries, start reducing our reliance on cars, more walkable cities, more bikes, trains, trams, buses, public transit in general. I mean, shit, if we just added like half of what we spend on cars every year into a public transit budget, I think we could have like some of the best public transit in the world. We spend so much goddamn money on cars every year. Just like not even just buying cars, but the infrastructure, road maintenance, insurance, gasoline, all of that shit. If we just put half of that money into public transit, it could be a wonderful, wonderful place to commute around. I mean, America has some gorgeous places that I'd love to see, but damn, man, Road trips are kind of expensive and they take a long fucking time and air travel is incredibly expensive and you have to yep. skip over a bunch of cool shit. So, you know, if we had a decent high speed rail system in this country, fuck yeah, man, I'd be going all over it. See Yellowstone, see Yosemite, Joshua Tree. I mean, we were just talking about that off air a little bit. I would love to go to Joshua Tree. I've never been there either. So many cool places. The Adirondacks, fucking the Appalachian Mountains, like Adirondacks are the ones up in the Northeast, right? Yeah. Like yeah. New York. Yeah. yeah. 
gorgeous, gorgeous areas of this country that I would love to see someday. But yeah, traveling there is fucking hard, man. And yeah, if we did all the shit that we've talked about in this episode, or even half of it. Yeah, I was about to say, if we did like a 10% of this, yeah. that would be possible. Yeah. Like, it would be. It just goes to show, like, wonderful. we could do this short of a revolution, even. Like, this shit Absolutely. could be fixed tomorrow. Absolutely. Like, it's no reason it can't be. And like, like that prototype uh, electric semi thing in Germany, like, they figured out, they ran the numbers, it would be profitable, like, with yeah. very minimal government subsidies. Yeah, we don't need to annihilate capitalism and have a massive revolution and and create yes, a whole do. new world to do we these should, things. But. We should, absolutely. <laughs> but we could get all of this shit done or a lot of this shit done without doing that. Like, you know, I feel like one of the one of the con- kind of themes of the show that keeps coming up is like the capitalists aren't even that good at being capitalists. Like, no, they they're not. They don't like, do profitable like, things. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like Connor said, what everyone else said, man, that's y'all <laughs> did a great job covering it all. I kept thinking of like new little things. I'm like, oh, I should mention that when it's my turn. Now somebody covered it. It's it's great. You guys <laughs> covered all the bases. So yeah, I don't really have much to add. Follow us on social media, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's fun to dream uh, about like imagine if things were not terrible for a minute. Yeah. And yeah. we'll probably, you know, have similar discussion episodes in the future. So we'll come back to at least similar ground probably. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, anything else before we wrap up here, guys? No, yeah, I think that's good. All yeah. right. Go yeah. ahead and rate us. If you like our podcast, uh, we appreciate ratings. It helps people find the podcast, I think. or So I've heard, I don't know. That sounds right. So rate us, follow us on social media, all that stuff. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Be trans, take public transit. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I love it. Bye. 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 We're gonna make you pay five to five, bitch. We're gonna make you pay five to water, bitch. We're gonna fight riches and not riches, but we're gonna fight the solidarity. We said we're not gonna fight capitalism with black capitalism, but we're gonna fight the socialism. Amazingly, or not so amazingly, Cuba's crime rate is one of the lowest in the entire hemispheres. Oddly enough, it seems that when people have their basic human needs met, they're less likely to commit crimes. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. The free market mythology, it argues that the most ruthless, selfish, opportunistic, greedy, calculating plunderers applying the most heartless measures in cold-blooded pursuit of corporate interest and wealth accumulation will produce the best results for all of us. Through something called the invisible hand. (laughs) What are you smiling about? Dude, I almost had you.